Welcome to Fandom Power. What's up, guys? It's Wes, Andy, and Hank, and we're back with my lord, Fan Batch episode. It's our episode eight. eight. It's episode nine of uh, the Bad Batch. We are now over the fifty percent mark, gentlemen. How do we feel about that? Just keep. I informed going. you thusly. We informed you all thusly. <laughs> we informed you all thusly. Oh my God! Okay, I'm just going to put it out there now. Last week I said. Do all roads in modern Star Wars television lead to Boba Fett? And the answer is, yes, they do. <laughs> there was no if way. If it ain't broke, don't <laughs> fix it. Or, uh, Man. you know, if there ain't enough backstory, make one. <laughs> oh, uh, If this does not link up directly to Book of Boba Fett, then I will be surprised at this point. Amazing. Okay. 51, what, 51, 52%, whatever the percentage is. We are over the halfway mark. We've got seven, seven more episodes to go. Uh, I know I, I mentioned it a while ago that I'm, I have converted. Uh, I'm, I'm like, I'm so down the well now that I'm going to be upset when it's over. I, I don't want it to end. <sighs> yeah, it's, it's super strong. And, uh, just like the other ones, it just, it, it amplifies as we, we get towards it the really end. It really does. Super crafty at pulling the strings, and man, and they keep giving us more of what we didn't know we needed. <clears throat> Isn't that the no. truth, though? You think you know you've you've got it all figured out, and we make jokes about our head cannons and what we think is happening and what we would like to happen, and then the Felony verse throws a curveball at us, and we go, "Oh my god!" <laughs> 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 and uh, I don't know about you guys. For me, every uh, every huh has been. Excellent. I've been very, very happy with uh, what they've thrown at us. Yeah, there hasn't been anything that made me go, oh no, no, no. And and, no. and all of the of the the properties so far. I mean, there's very few things that I had problem with or could find fault with the uh, Mandalorian, if anything. And uh, this is very much the same. Same, same. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Well, this one it's called. Uh, it's episode nine. This one is titled "Bounty Lost." It debuted uh, Friday, June 25th, 2021. The runtime on this episode, it's uh, 23 minutes, 56 seconds without your credits or a solid 28 with. This one's written by uh, Matt McNavetz. This week, we get a new name in our uh, production team. Not new, but new to the director's chair. This is co-directed by uh, Nathaniel Villanova, which we're more than familiar with. But this one, co-directed by Brad Rao. We've seen Brad Rao's name come up in the uh, in the credits before around the art department and uh, the animation department. But this one, if you're if you're not familiar with this guy, Hank, you're gonna like this one. Five episodes of Rebels. The character nice. the character Fen Rao is named okay, is named after him. Oh, amazing! Right on. Seven episodes of Star Wars Resistance, and the part that I think you'll really like, Hank is uh, Brad Rao directed every episode of Forces of Destiny. Those Amazing. The animated That's shorts. That's great. You guys, check that out out the ether there. That's They're great. I know they're aimed at children, but they're really, really strong they stuff, are. actually. Yeah, they're really well they're really done. Stuff. Yeah, and we won't hold the resistance stuff against them. <laughs> I, I, can, I can say, if for, if for no other reason that I've seen it, I have watched it. 
Don't ask me yeah, what happened. I mean, but I, my eyes saw 99% of it. Hey, it's up there with droids. So you had said last week that you'd, you'd gone back and watched it, and I I missed the the fact that droids uh, quietly got added to the to the playlist there. I knew totally e- got Ewoks, quietly added. Ewoks yeah. was put up right away with the Caravan right of Courage and the and the battle uh, <clears throat> battle for Endor, but I was not aware that droids had went up until I was clicking yeah. through earlier this week, and I'm like, what droids? Mm-hmm. Oh, I gotta rewatch yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally rewatched that this week. Cool. Did you watch like all of it? Uh, most of it. I'm. I'm. Yeah. I have two episodes. I have the finale, and yeah. then there's a, a strange episode that I even wasn't aware of, which is episode one of season two. Oh, it's like a a thirteenth episode. I didn't even know existed. So there's a season two with one single episode. That's interesting. I, I wonder if that's a real time. I wonder if that's like a bonus thing. Like they they never, maybe they never got to broadcast it. So now that it's uh, well, streaming, perhaps. they can put that out there. Some of it's pretty great. I mean, uh, you know, there's they take wacky liberties, and I guess they're being allowed to. Is when Lucas was just sort of, you know, experimenting with things like uh, the uh, their first master just happens to have a lightsaber that he found, so he oh, you know, wow. runs around with a green lightsaber, yeah, which yeah. maybe the first canonical appearance or uh, uh, not canon, but because <laughs> certainly it first rewrites canon animated, completely. I guess. Be the first animated. The Empire is the main protagonist, right? And right. Vader and Boba Fett appear in the show. Well, this is it, right? This is still prior to Captain Antilles owning, you know, and there's no references to Anakin having made no, or no, made of course either not. droid or so. Yeah, uh, does it, it work it, on that just, level? Knowing the it feels origins, familiar. Yeah, it it still does. Like you can just, you know, it's kind of like the comic book lore. Yeah, but it feels familiar because the the R two sounds are accurate. Yeah, the, uh, the blaster effects. The you know the world is is very accurate, and. uh Certainly, Anthony Daniels makes it feel like you're watching C-3PO all the time. So, uh, yeah, he does. No, it doesn't. Uh, it's not as distracting as the Ewoks. Actually, it's you know. Okay, was, and that, that's really the other cool thing I was going to say. Style. I know Ewoks, even as a kid, was a harder watch for me because, and you know, I, and I don't mean it in a bad way, but as a as a young child in what 1985, so I'm what 11. Uh, I wanted to watch boys cartoons, and I felt that Ewoks was really kind of pointing at the girls. I really did the whole uh, relationship between uh, with Nisa and uh, and Wicket, yeah. and you know it was just it was a harder watch and a little a little more hokey. It was like and watching the, uh, the magical trees. Well, and this the, is it. It was yeah, like no, watching absolutely. you know Care Bears without symbols on their tummies. You know, no, absolutely. And it was part of an hour long block, so I can't That's remember right, yeah. which show aired first. But I know that I was more distracted when uh, Ewoks was on, certainly. With uh, Boba well, Fett showing, having rewatched Ewoks, it's crazy darker than I remember. Like, I am, very dark. I am going to give it a rewatch. Both shows, actually. I'm a few episodes into Ewoks now. Are you? It's funny. Uh, the first episode I watched, and I was like, "Holy shit!" The one Duloc is voiced by the guy that did Beastly in Care yeah. Bears. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And the other, the lead Duloc, is voiced by the guy that did Beaster on My Pet Monster. The voice but, acting community, I think, is pretty small, and like you heard the same voices all over the place. I still. I couldn't come up with a, na- a name for you, but uh, what's his name? The guy who did Darkwing Duck. Oh, okay. In every show that he's in, I can't help but hear every character he does. It's Darkwing Duck. I wanted to ask, given where we're going with the, the Bad Batch and uh, Book of Boba Fett, what's it like when Boba Fett shows up in droids? Is it uh, is he as mysterious and, and dangerous and deadly as we you know want him to be? It's very similar to, yes, but not in any, like, I'm going to, you know, 
he doesn't murder people in a child's <laughs> show kind of like uh, is happening in this one. But, right, right. Um, and it's a little similar to the idea that they had in the holiday special where he pretends to be an ally and oh, turns out right, to be an right, agent yeah. of Vader. And, and, Interesting. Um, but there's no Slave 1, there's no Riding the Dragon or the Tuning Fork thing, and the, the yeah, armor is yeah, very... Yeah. They could even have, like, it's almost like a third version of the armor, animated version. Right, right, right. Um, but uh, it's because the property was high profile and they Big were time. just trying to... It wasn't trying to keep I, it... They were trying to keep it alive in 85, and, I mean, they needed something to uh, keep the toy machine moving, as as horrible as that sounds, but it's true, really. and there were droid... There was a droids line of... of I know there was definitely an Ewoks line, but was there also a droids line? Yes, there, there was, was a droids line yeah, uh, was. in North America... So they didn't actually get a full the the full line was not released in North America. You got the two the two droids. You got three PO and, and R two. Right. Most of the uh, the the cast of like side characters like Blix and uh, uh, the kids the the one master uh, with the with the size size from or whatever. Yeah. So they actually got a, a larger release. I think in Brazil. Oh wow! So they're out there. I mean, you you can go online and look at them, and they're like super expensive to buy on the. You had a three PO come through the shop. I did. I had a droid. Back. I had a droid's three PO come through the shop a couple of years ago, and and the cool thing for the action Loose? figure, yeah, the cool thing for the action figure people out there, if you've never seen the droids C three PO, I'm telling you right now, it is a straight up reuse of the Empire uh, Breakaway C three PO, but just repainted in the droids colors. <laughs> so yeah, like yeah, right yeah. down to you cool. can pop you can pop all the limbs off. So. And, of course, that's one of the issues with those types of toys, that once you pop them apart and put them back together a few times, they kind of get a little floppily woppily. <laughs> but uh, this one came in. My, was in great shape. My original C-3PO ended up in a snowbank, which I found the next year, but it was completely bleached. Like, it looked... I, it was identical to almost the Death Star. Yeah. <laughs> it was completely silver. Yeah. All right, so let's get back on track here. Our episode yeah. synopsis this week is uh, The Batch Embark on a Rescue mission okay i'm just gonna put it out there last week i was pretty happy hey we got our answer who hired fennec shand turns out that was only partly correct (laughs) we get a little bit more on that this week and the other thing is and i know that i was really skeptical and i really kind of i kind of mulled it over a lot and i know we talked a lot offline about how i was really stuck on there was something else more to the the plan the the kaminoans plan Turns out I was wrong. Turns out it really is the obvious answer, and that she is the uh, she is the genetic template for the next the next batch of uh, or the next generation of clones. <laughs> Fantastic! Ah, always then the obvious one is in your face. Couldn't couldn't see the forest through the trees. I couldn't. <laughs> All right. All right. This episode opens. Uh, we're up in the upper atmosphere of Braca. Crosshair in his attack shuttles, pursuing the Havoc Marauder relentlessly, keeping up a steady barrage of blaster fire. Cool that he's, uh, you know, still presence of mind now to uh, to keep the pursuit up. And, and I think it kind of suggests, you know, we were concerned that both characters, you know, how they were sort of the mirror image uh, of each other, Crosshair and Hunter, that the their injuries were like, oh, this is going to stick around for a while. Maybe not, <laughs> you know. We talked about, you know, there's some other people who were kind of digging in on the uh, on the review stuff that we're doing had talked about that maybe this was going to be the the end of Crosshair's usefulness. And I mean, like, oh, he's still got one eye. And that was the joke that we made. It's also his shooting eye. So, I mean, 
right. he's still good. I think he's going to recover completely the same way yeah. I think Hunter's going to recover. Yeah, I think in that scene, he was probably propped up in the back of a ship, not able to do much while that other pilot. Absolutely. Him. He's sitting sort of tail, uh, not tail gunner, but sitting in the seat behind him and he's yelling at him, you know, like keep, keep I thought it I up. wonder too if a nice twist won't be that perhaps that's the side that he was injured on is the side with the chip and maybe the chip is damaged and maybe we'll get a little redemption arc Interesting. going on here. Redemption is, is a huge part of Star Wars and I think that on some level they'll, you know, as much as Clearly I Clearly, the other guys still love him. They all, you they know, do, yeah. tech is very cold and calculated, but they all, they have fondness. At least, you know, if it's not just brothers in arms, it's, yeah. it's deeper, right? And they do all exhibit fondness. Like, oh, I, oh, I miss him, you know? Talk about, uh, I actually had a thought about uh, tech this week, particularly around this scene where it's like you say, he's, he's, he's cold because he is so analytical and technical. And I find it ironic that he's the pilot. You know, so you have to imagine in this scenario that every maneuver that he is pulling is probably textbook. There's no, like, I don't want to say creative, you know, maneuvering. Maybe there is. Maybe there is, and we're just kind of... No rolling to the left? Not aware of that. But I have to imagine, you take the guy who's the most technically inclined, you make him the pilot, and suddenly that's sort of what you get. On board the ship, Hunter asks if there's any sign of the bounty hunter, and Tech tells him that the only ship on their scanners is Crosshair, and he's right on top of them. And as we were just talking about earlier, there's that uh, Crosshair looking an awful lot like Dengar. And it, like I said before, like he's still got his, his shooting eye, so I don't think there's any danger that... Uh, I don't think he's out of the picture yet. I think uh, you know he's still the, the big bad going forward. Hmm. Right on. As the Havoc Marauder takes more damage, Wrecker returns fire from the tail gun, exclaiming, It's getting hot! Tech tells us that he's preparing to jump to light speed, but Hunter protests not without Omega! No soldier left behind. No, I know. Echo pipes in, saying that the bounty hunter that kidnapped her is long gone, and they won't be able to find her if Crosshair shoots them down. So, with the rear deflector shields failing, Hunter reluctantly gives the order to make the jump. As I'd said earlier, the, uh, the idea that, uh, you know, his usefulness, Crosshair's usefulness may be up. I don't think that's the case. You know, and there's still some duality between Crosshair and Hunter. Now they're both, like, their armor is off. They're both wrapped up in bandages for the whole episode. Well, like like you said last episode, like, if his chip fails, yeah. he still maintains this, you know, anti-Hunter yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. personality, you know, making him an even truer villain. Yep. Villain the whole time. That could be interesting, too. I think so. So from there, as the uh, Havoc Marauder uh, bounds off into hyperspace, we get a wipe transition to another ship traveling through hyperspace. And uh, I thought this was a really cool design. And I'm like, wait, it's kind of familiar, but kind of oh, yeah. not? Mm -hmm. Kind of similar to uh, Ahsoka standing on the bridge. In a way, yeah. I'm looking at this thing, and, and I mean, we're going to get to it a little bit later because I've got it, but uh, some photos. Does it not you know, kind of look reminiscent, uh, the angularness of that reminiscent of the ghost. A little it's bit the Rebels. first thing I thought. Just like a modified yeah, version. Yeah, yeah, very ghost. much so. And what appears to be a crazy tower of uh, turrets on the top. like Big time, yeah, yeah. It's like crazy. So this is Cad Bane's new ship. It is a new ship for him because the last time we saw Cad Bane in a ship, he actually had a rogue class Porax 38 that he'd named the Xanadu Blood. 
if you don't <laughs> if you don't remember what Cad Bane's fighter looked like, there it is. There, there's your uh, Rogue class Porax thirty eight. This is kind of what it looked like back in uh, the Clone Wars, and if you think that you've seen that before, it's kind of like a flattened Tie fighter. Yeah, kind of, kind Maybe of. One of the droid, one of the droid fighters too. It's kind of an amalgam. It does thing. have a, a sort of a, a what do you call them? Vulture droid esque look. If you mm. took the uh, the, the vulture the droid, yeah. So if you think you've seen it before, you have, and uh, we actually got to see this ship in live action back in the Mandalorian as it was the uh, referred to as the gunship when the, the Republic X-Wing Patrol showed up and they ended up shooting it as it was coming out of the hangar. It's the same, right. uh, same class of ship. So I thought that was really cool that it's now made, its, uh, made a leap into live action. I knew I had seen it before when we saw it in Mandalorian, but I couldn't quite put my finger on it. I kept wanting to, uh, I kept wanting to, to link it back to the role-playing game, but I actually think it's a, a new design for television. On board his new, uh, his new ship, Omega wakes up in a prison cell. The doorway is ray-shielded, and Toto 360 comes in to uh, check on her. I always oh. see those red ray-shields, too. I always think of Obi-Wan screaming. Oh, I know. Pass through it. No! Every time I see a red sort of light, I start them all around. Yeah, really. Omega demands that the droid release her, but he refuses. Getting up to her feet, she realizes that her comlink has been removed, and Toto informs her that it has been stowed in a secured compartment. Seth Green returning Great. for the voice of Toto. Big time, yeah, yeah. He does an awesome job. He's got way more lines in this episode. So Brings he's probably his, the standout uh, character in this episode, actually. I agree. You know, going back to the Clone Wars and uh, the relationship, and they talk a little bit about the relationship between Toto and Cad Bane in this episode, particularly where Omega's very keen on how, like, you know, his mistreatment, but Toto, I don't know if it's because he's a droid and he's just easy enough to wipe his mind, but, you know, my treatment is very adequate. But it's yeah. like, you, you hear it in his voice, like, are you saying it's that to like convince her? like a battered her? wife, right? Or right. spouse? Yeah. You're saying that to convince her, or you're saying that to convince yourself? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Side note, did you see Seth Green's performance in the movie Without a Paddle? I have not seen Without a Paddle. Okay, well, in... Years ago. It, yeah, it's been a while for that one, but in that movie... Uh, they go to reclaim some of their history, and the yeah. one thing he pulls up is his C-3PO figure. Oh, cute. So. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I think of all, we talked about this yesterday, sort of offline, about the, uh, you'd put up on the uh, on the fan group, Hank, the picture of uh, from Blue Harvest with the, you know, with the Red Squadron checking in. Uh, Red Buttons, standing by, and I said this is Big still, Red. yeah, this is still one of my favorite scenes. Red Fox standing by! Big Red standing by! Red October standing by. And uh, totally. we talked about, you know, the robot chicken connection and, and just how many Star Wars episodes of or Star Wars themed segments in Robot Chicken were there. Oh, man. No surprise that uh, Seth Green <laughs> is a huge Star Wars fan and, and gets a, a little, ple- uh, his own little piece of the canon, so Good favorite, for him. Favorite one there is what the hell's an aluminum falcon? What the hell's oh, yeah. an aluminum? <laughs> or the one where the emperor is on the escalator <laughs> and he's passing the stormtroopers one at a time and he's he's very patient. Stormtrooper? Yeah. Stormtrooper. Yeah. <laughs> he gets losing his patience. <laughs> yeah. So good. Fantastic. All right. So, uh, still clutching his severed thruster, Toto advises Omega to cooperate with Bane as the bounty hunter enters the corridor. We get Cad Bane coming in to uh, to talk to her. 
The bounty hunter kneels down to face Omega at her level and asks, How's my asset doing? She promptly corrects him, stating defiantly, My name's Omega, and asks who he is. Removing his hat and holding it across his chest like a southern gentleman, he replies, God bane at your service. Now, funny when he removes his hat, did you notice there's a plate so going across the side there? I, I kind of wanted to talk about that because yep. we talked about that previs last week. And, uh, you know, there's, there's some credibility there that that event may have actually taken place. Mm-hmm. If not with yeah. Boba Fett, with maybe another bounty hunter. But as you say, Andy, he is clearly wearing some form of, I don't want to call it a prosthesis, but, but there's a plate as you say, like a, a, a plate. So there's like available, there's a lot of that storyline pre-vised out. And yeah. I, I haven't watched it all, but I mean, some of it is hard to watch because it's very, very rough. But the audio, like the story beats are all there. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'd like to rewatch or even go deeper into it to see if we do get Boba's escape from prison, because I, you know, as we all just sort of had that epiphany this week, wow, there's a huge gap. Yeah, between the last time we see Boba in prison in season five of Clone Wars and the events of the Empire Strikes in Back, Empire, yeah, which really wasn't apparent because I mean, it's you know, we've he's talked about this mystery before. Anyway, but with, when you put uh, all the ducks in a row, oh my goodness! You know, Dave Filoni has said you know on the record that you don't know when we're telling these stories. There's no. There's no definitive timeline put on this stuff. And it's like, you bastard. When Fennec Shan says to Omega in this episode, Omega and I go way back. Yeah. I mean, how long, how much time has passed? Like, I know way back can be a couple months for a kid, but right. a couple months anyway, right? Like, I took that as a just a sarcasm. Sarcasm it that was be. really being just her throwing shade at Bane. But uh, you, you're right, though. Like, there is an element of like, oh, how long ago was that? Right on. So um, Omega demands to know where she's being taken, but Bane ignores her as he strides back towards the ladder. Omega shouts, you'll be sorry when my friends come for me. And looking over his shoulder, the bounty hunter replies, your friends are long gone. I made sure of that. No one is coming for you, little lady. Now sit tight and don't cause any trouble. As Cad Bane leaves the brig, Toto chases after him, thruster in hand, bemoaning the inconvenience of having to hobble on one leg. Wondering when he'll get repaired. <laughs> Mr. Bane. Mr. Bane. That's <laughs> so good. I don't remember him calling him uh, calling him in the Clone Wars Mr. Bane, but every time every time he said it, I think of like the giant I think Bane, giant luchador Batman <laughs> villain. Yeah, no, it's Mr. true. Mr. Bane. It's true. Oh, you think darkness is your ally. Back on the bridge, Bane contacts Lama Sue, informing him that the girl is alive, and he expects to be paid a premium for it. Like, the guy just exudes cowboy, right? You know, yeah. slung back Van in the Cleef. chair. He's oh, yes, he totally him. is. No, yeah. Orabesh in this scene, <laughs> yeah. pretty simple. Uh, yeah, there is a little on the control panel. Yeah, it says cargo hold and cell blocks. There you go. Nicely done. Again, I, I got a thing for hyperspace. There was so much hyperspace in this episode. And I'm like, I am not going to screenshot at all because that would just be a waste of our time. But man, I <laughs> love it. And I'm a huge, huge. I love uh, I love ships. So this episode, like I was pouring over this ship trying to figure out what's going on here. And I'm just I'm super, super in love with it. Hopefully it'll get a, a release in the Star Wars X-Wing miniatures game because uh, I want one. <laughs> <laughs> 
Lama Su says, uh, see, then she stays that way. And Bane tells the Kaminoan Prime Minister, that depends on you. Bring me my unmarked credits. I'll meet you at the rendezvous. From there, we get another uh, wipe transition. It's to the interior of Prime Minister Lamasu's office, where uh, he is sitting there along with Nalase and Tanwi. Uh, and we see the conclusion of the hollow transmission sort of from their perspective. Have we seen Tanwi in this uh, show yet? Is this her first appearance? I do not believe she may possibly have in been passing, in maybe no. in the first. But yeah, I, yeah, no, this is the first I. Like where she's definitely focused on. And when I saw her, I went, oh, so I think it is the first. That's kind of what I was like, too, because she was so prolific in uh, Attack of the Clones where she was sort of the the liaison for Django, the, right. o- the no, Obi-Wan absolutely. Django connection. I thought, oh, is she not around anymore? And oh, I guess she is. Yeah, the way Boba interacts with her in Attack of the Clones, it's almost like, oh, Tonway's like, here. Like, like it's auntie. It's very familiar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's sort of. Yes. Like Tonway would be Boba's version of. Omega's Lamasu? Yeah, I guess so. Or uh, Nalase. Nalase, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of Nalase, she actually volunteers to deliver the payment and uh, pick up Omega, but uh, the Prime Minister, dropping his poker face, tells her that her personal interest in the clone has threatened their operation long enough. He then turns to Tonwi and orders her to go to the abandoned cloning facility on Boravio to make the exchange. So we how spot on there? <laughs> how long? This is what. How long has the prime minister been entertaining her isms, whatever those are? Like, it's safe to say that the introduction of Rampart and the New Order and wanting to phase out the clones has obviously sped up their need to stay in business. But it's so suggestive that he's he's been tolerating whatever she's been doing, her attachment to Omega for for quite some time now. Do we think he's been you know, sort of... It's not really a problem as long as Omega's in their possession and that it... At as long as the Empire's using clones. Experiment with it. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, so that his patience has got to be running out now that the asset is in the ether. Right. And, uh, you know, so... And we get the, you know, we get almost, I guess, if we can say that the Mandalorian, everything that passes has legacy lines now. We, if we can say that, we get a legacy line, uh, which is basically the sentiment that the... Uh, the magistrate gives uh, Din Djarin, which is, you know, kill it. <laughs> Get, yeah, collect yeah, yeah. The, collect the juice and then terminate it because we don't, you know. Yeah. We don't need anything beyond that. Do what you need to with her, then broom her fast. Turning his attention back to Nala Se, the Prime Minister tells her that once Omega has been returned, she's to be confined to the sub-level facility, and once her genetic material has been extracted, she is to be terminated. So this that. confirms something we thought. What's that? That the the landing port on the on the top is just like the tip of it and there's a whole bunch of sub facility underneath all that water i would think so like there's got to be when he says sub presumably sub surface yeah right you know again so the this whole idea that the rampart and his you know introduction and his sort of in tarkin's pocket <laughs> wanting to phase out the clones this has really kind of put a a, a wrench sort of in the plan and they really do have to speed it up. Back on board uh, Bane's ship, Toto, still keeping guard over Omega, struggles to reattach his severed thruster. He blames Hunter for shooting it off. But Omega tells him it's because he was protecting her, and that's what friends do. She then wonders aloud why Toto's friend isn't helping him. 
Mm-hmm. Toto, who sounds like he's trying to convince himself more than Omega, says that Mr. Bane is very busy. And when he drops the tool that he's using to reattach the leg, Omega sees this as an opportunity to help herself. She is so smart in this episode, like super, super coy. And, yeah, uh, absolutely. And it's, you know, you don't think that a, you know, man, I mean, we're all parents in this room. You ever, you've been manipulated by your children? And didn't realize it until after the manipulation was already done. <laughs> it's right in that vein, right? It's akin to her using a Jedi mind trick on a droid. Well, kind of. She tells Toto that she could fix yeah. the leg, adding that she's done it a bunch of times for AZ-3 back on Kamino. But the little droid balks at her offer, saying that as a techno service droid, he is quite capable of completing his own repairs, adding that you're a prisoner and not to be trusted. Back on the Havoc Marauder, Echo, working from a description given by Hunter, searches the Republic records to come up with the identity of Omega's kidnapper. And we get the uh, the mugshot for Cad Bane. Presumably that would have been uh, when they took him in, uh, into prison. <laughs> you get a little bit of, uh, I didn't get the, uh, presumably on the left-hand side, that's, that's just Cad his, that's his name. Yeah. On the right-hand side, it's uh, extremely dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> you think? <laughs> Zeroing in on Cad Bane, Echo explains that uh, Cad had, had several run-ins with the Jedi and was responsible for the first kidnapping attempt of the Supreme Chancellor. <laughs> the first, but not the last. <laughs> Wrecker questions why two bounty hunters have now come after Omega, and Tech explains that she's more important than they realized. Having further analyzed Omega's genetic profile, Tech reveals that she has pure first-generation DNA. Unlike the rest of the clone army who were modified for accelerated growth and obedience, Omega is a pure genetic replication of Jango Fett. Tech- so, does that mean she ages normally then? Which puts her Presumably. at the 10-year-old mark. It has to. I mean, and, it go- and we're going to get to that here with the one thing that he says. Tech also reveals that, to his knowledge, there was just one other clone with the same genetic profile, and that clone was designated as Alpha, but later referred to as Boba. But since he disappeared at the beginning of the war, Omega is the only source of Django's raw genetic material. So, of course, she's named Omega. You heard it here first. Yeah. Omega Fett. Yeah, Omega, yeah. Fett. Omega Fett. Omega Fett. With the little nugget that he was designated Alpha, absolutely she's named Omega. You know, uh, the Alpha and the Omega being the first and the last letters of the Greek alphabet. Also having the biblical connotation of, you know, Jesus Christ being the first and the last God. I don't know how deep you want to go on that, but I mean, I think it's safe to say, at least in this context, we can take that to mean that, you know, uh, Boba Fett being the first and Omega being the last of Django's genetic material before it deteriorated earlier in the series, right? Certainly compromised. And I read an article where someone was like, oh, she's the same genetic... Uh, as the wave one clones like Rex is equal to her. And I'm like, you completely misunderstood what they clearly laid out to you. There. Yeah. 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 And I don't know how that, uh, that unaltered across that conclusion. She's, uh, you know, she's Boba's sister for all intents. And Absolutely. Purposes. And I, so, I mean, I actually made a, I made a note on that. I don't know where it is. We'll get there to it. Oh yeah. <laughs> I actually said to you, I put a note here, Hank, you nailed it. Omega Fett. <laughs> Right, so 
there's some interesting things going on here. We talked about this yesterday offline as I was uh, putting the notes together for today's show. And, and uh, I just want to bring it up for the, the viewing and the listening audience. Boba had a real father-son connection with Django, like especially as we see in The Mandalorian when he's do- going over the chain code with Din Djarin, this is my father. Like, there's no mistaking. Like, he believes that he's that's his dad. Yeah, there's lots of comic adventures they go on. Sure, sure. You know, prior to the events of Attack of the Clones, where they that that is implicitly expressed. It's you know at the same time it's a hard life for Boba because he's being trained to be a warrior. Yeah, there there's mutual respect and love and and you really do get the sense that Django views him as an extension of himself, if not himself directly. Yeah, was you know I guess on some level is that Django's you know uh, you know perverse way of of trying to gain you know some level of immortality. It's an it's a one hundred percent insurance policy. I guess so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like for a, for the most notorious bounty hunter in the galaxy, it only pays to train yourself to carry that on. Yeah, I want to touch on the Which whole sister you thing. Might find some sort of uh, motivation in in Boba there with Omega, with respect to Omega, uh, too. You know, to, to carry that on. I feel like, given the relationship between Boba and Django and how interested he was, like let's not forget that Boba Fett went out of his way. To orchestrate that was his one request. Uh, uh, yeah, that Give was an Django's yeah. clone. Boba went out of his way to orchestrate a revenge plot against Mace Windu for the murder of his father. Like that, that has to tell you that he's he has a vested interest in the familial connection. No, one hundred percent. In my, I'm going to double down on last week too, and I, I, we're going to get Boba next episode. I'll take that bet. I will definitely take that one. But I think like you can't help but be invested, and I'm not going to say if because it's it is when when he finds out that he's got a sister, an another unaltered, another one like me. You can't tell me that he's not going to have an interest in that. It's impossible. And I don't. I don't think it's a stretch for Nala say to to try to employ him, and you know, and have him discover in mid, you know, like mid bounty. Yeah, captured. I've captured the target, and then. It, it is revealed to him like a like a like a, a veil removed where he suddenly he's at odds with his employers too. It could get real good. Well, here's could get, here's the thing. I'm going to jump ahead a little bit here because talking about the uh, the hiring of we talked about this last week and I'd said that what are the chances that the batch employ Boba Fett directly? In this case, I don't think it's a case of they're going to have to pay him. I think because given his interest in who she is. That's enough motivation for him right there. And that leads that does lead to that ultimate there is going to be another showdown between him and Cad Bane. With Cad Bane as the the as a as a mid level protagonist who wants to get he wants to get paid, he's not gonna get paid if he doesn't have the girl. It brings up some it brings up some more questions about the the hiring of of uh of Fennec Shand. That's true. <laughs> You know, we said that the Kaminoans hired her, and that's that's true. But we we're, we're going to find out specifically that it wasn't just them, generally speaking, or maybe it was. I think it was uh, Nalase that hired her. I think so too. Directly, I think so. Whereas too. Cad Bane was probably hired by Lamasu. So here's the here's the question though. Like in last week's episode, where where Lamasu said, you know, we're going to have to add more people, and she said, "Is that wise?" She wasn't talking yeah. about Fennec Shand. She was not talking no. about Phoenix. So who else? No. Who else was been, has been hired to go after Omega? And how many others are out there? That's you know another sort of uh, 
legacy moment is like you know they all have a fob. they all have all fobs. oh yeah and this is such yeah, yeah. a high profile target i can't see them you know it, the legacy bounty hunters i can't see not popping up dengar bosk ig88 probably right. all make an appearance at least in one episode so in some sort of that you could chase the bounty now. We have this, uh, you know, Boba has his moment where in the Clone Wars, where we've talked about this before, he was sort of hanging out with Aura Singh and Bosk, and they kind of were kind of showing him the ropes, and they were teaching him how to be a bounty hunter, you know, back when he was, uh, what, 10? Mm-hmm. So th- there's a couple things that came up this week where I'm like, huh? Because Tech has said that <laughs> Tech has said that he disappeared at the beginning of the war. Well, the beginning of the war was at least three years ago. Right. So you have this moment where back in the Clone Wars with the, the revenge plot and the helmet bomb, he plants that, you know, he, he smuggles his way on board uh, a Jedi star cruiser as part of a clone youth brigade. And then we don't see him again after that, that whole revenge plot. But then later so on. He, yeah, go ahead. Or is he on the Republic files when he's, or is he on Imperial files when he's looking at that information? Cause I was just thinking right now in real time, I guess technically it's that Re- Republic. Perhaps when he disappeared off the Kaminoan radar yeah, at the beginning of the clone wars, like the events of the battle of Geonosis. Yeah. Like you picture him as a child, just running off with the helmet in his own direction. Maybe, Maybe that's when he disappeared off the radar. Although we, he's popped up a few times, you know, it's, it's quite, possible well see he comes up he does come up it's quite possible he was arrested and in prison and they didn't know who he was well this is like i don't know but there is that 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 moment where like as i went back and i i brushed up on the bounty hunter episodes from clone wars because i knew that that was going to be important to what we're watching now i have to apologize for last week i did errantly uh, mistake obi-wan's identity he was not undercover as embo he was actually undercover as rako hardeen I should have picked that one up right away. I apologize for that. We got it by the end of the episode. Yeah. This episode of Fandom Power is brought to you in part by CollectorsPlatoon.ca. CollectorsPlatoon.ca, organizers of the annual Toronto Collectors Platoon Toy Show. Check out CollectorsPlatoon.ca, the Canadian home of Ian's display accessories, specializing in action figure stands for figures of all scales. Visit CollectorsPlatoon.ca today. So Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, basically plots his own, uh, draws out an assassination attempt on himself, survives the assassination attempt only to capture the assassin and then genetically modify himself to take the identity of that assassin so that he can get into prison to figure out this uh, kidnapping plot against the Chancellor. And so he actually goes into prison as Rako Hardeen. Mm-hmm. So there's a scene in the mess hall in the prison where, you know, he's going to sit down and this this gravelly younger voice like, hey, Hardeen, you stole the bounty from me and I want revenge. And it's Boba Fett. But I'm like, wait a minute. Just a couple episodes earlier, he looked like this. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like how much time has passed? (laughs) So here he is in prison where he's considerably older. He's got a new haircut. His voice, presumably it's Daniel Logan, the voice has, has dropped down an octave. <laughs> He's going through changes. Yeah. So is this a retcon? Is this a retcon? Like, he disappeared at the beginning of the war? I mean, you they would have had records of him being in prison, don't you think? 
Maybe. If they knew it was him. Remember, he was Cadet Lucky. He was Cadet Lucky. But I there's... Mean, certainly Mace Window know who he was, but I, you know... They refer to him... It's hard um, to say. It's hard to say that they would just put him in a regular prison. Obi-Wan even says to him... I wouldn't think they would put him in a regular prison. Says to him, you don't, you don't want this kid. Population. Which says something to me about how prisons work in the Star Wars universe, that they don't... They don't uh, Apparently, they don't uh, distinguish between youth offenders and adult offenders, as we're putting putting children in prison with adults. And it's Cad Bane actually that put him up to it because he says, you know, he says to the guy that he's sitting at the table with, he's like, "I paid the kid off to cause a distraction," and then they slip out through the morgue in the facility. But that's it. We don't see Boba again until uh, the Empire Strikes Back, and of course, you know, in that famous no disintegrations. Uh, scene between uh, him and Vader. So this this whole like you you've done it to us again there uh, Dave and crew like where where are things taking place? How much time has passed because now the lines are blurred. I'm right back to I don't think I know how old Boba Fett really is at this point. I mean mathematically I know how old he should be, but I'm not convinced that they may have just aged him up. Yeah, and like you said in, in our chat, it was like maybe two weeks ago we were talking, and I put him like 16 based yeah, on yeah. my memory of, you know, when he was wearing the kind of cooler armor. And, yep. And then you were like, well, that math doesn't work. And I said, okay, no, I agree with you that the math doesn't work. And then, yeah. so we put him at around 14, 13, 14. Sure, sure, yeah. Give or take. But uh, certainly he seems, you know, uh, well, just maybe Mandalorians are more rugged. I guess they, so. They peak earlier. Certainly hardier, perhaps. yeah. A thirteen-year-old that could take a punch from Rocco Hardeen, right? Like, so. well, that's it, right? So, I mean, if that doesn't, you know, this whole Alpha and Omega thing, we know it's Boba Fett and Omega. There, there is a absolute collision course. It's happening. It, it, it's not a matter of if; it is a matter of when. And as you say, we're banking on it. Next episode, right? Yeah, that's my yeah. <laughs> Cannot yeah. wait to at I'll least put a paycheck at on least it introduce nobody can collect. <laughs> All right, Echo deduces that given Omega's importance to the Kaminoans' cloning operation, they must have been the ones to put the bounty on her. Hunter then orders Tech to check with Sid to see if any of her contacts knows anything while they continue monitoring the comms. Yeah, and we got it right again there, where we were speculating that the only choice she would have is just to let them go on their own. Yep. Cutting back to uh, Cad Bane's ship, we see that Omega, still in her cell, is now coaching Toto through the repair procedure for his leg. It's not going very well, and once again, Omega suggests that he just let her help him. Toto reasserts that she's a prisoner, and Omega plays right along, saying, Exactly. It's not like I can escape off the ship. Toto concedes. She has a valid point. While Omega adds, I'm just a kid. And with that, Toto agrees to let her out. (laughs) Uh, On the condition that they don't tell anyone. That's right. So, yeah... Hobbling on his one little thruster, he kind of makes his way up there and uh, and lets her out. Picking up the tool that Toto had just dropped, Omega gets to work on the leg. The two share a moment where Omega asks how long he's been working with the bounty hunter. Toto answers, many years, adding, we're a team. But Omega questions him. Really? He's not very nice to you. As she's working away on his leg. Toto tells her he thinks that his treatment is adequate most of the time. Having completed reattaching Toto's thruster, the droid looks down to see that his limb is currently bending the wrong direction. Omega asks him how does it feel, and he says it's misaligned and it will need to be recalibrated. 
talk about Omega and how coy she is in this episode and just how smart she really is. I know if you're, uh, if you're listening to the audio version of this, you're not going to be able to see this, but the look in her eyes, she is so laser focused on what she's doing right now because, of course, the misalignment was all a part of her plan because when Toto tells her to be careful, Omega says, relax, I've done this before, as she not only recalibrates the leg but also deactivates him and then sets about searching the brig for her comlink. Super, super smart. Perfect. Dropping out of hyperspace, we can see the planet Boravio through the viewport of Cad Bane's ship. Uh, this planet is wrapped in a very dense uh, cloud cover. And there's a great shot here on the console where you can actually see the uh, the schematic of his ship. And that's where I'm like, mm-hmm. wait a minute. That really does look like it could be, you know, Carillion, a Carillion design, right? That's right. It's very angular. So, uh, and here's a, here's a good shot here from the exterior kind of swooping through the clouds. I really like the, the, the image of that. I think it's a cool looking ship, but we'd said this before, like, is this, you know, similar to the ghost from Star Wars Rebels? The ghost, which by the way, is a Carillion VCX 100, uh, albeit heavily modified, but it's not, you know, it's not a far stretch to see the lineage between these two. No, exactly. Making his descent. Cad Bane calls for Toto to come up to the cockpit and help with the landing sequences. He can't see through all the chop. When the ship finally breaks through the cloud cover, we see several floating platforms, kind of reminiscent of uh, Cloud City. Perfect. As the bounty hunter lands the ship, Omega frantically searches for her comlink using the tools that she acquired from Toto to open all the locked cabinets. Bane calls out to Toto again, and when he gets no answer, heads off to investigate. Bane closing in, Omega is lucky enough to find her comlink and make a break for it before he arrives. So Cad Bane entering the hold, seeing the empty cell along with Toto lying on the floor, uh, reactivates the droid, demanding to know where the kid is. Toto, unaware that he's been deactivated, points to the empty cell, exclaiming, She's right there! Oh! (laughs) As he realizes that the cell is empty. Omega, having escaped the ship, runs across the landing platform headed towards the abandoned facility. She dials in her comlink and calls for help. A little look of desperation there. She's making a, making her way in. Back on the Havoc Marauder, Echo reports to Hunter that Sid knows all about Cad Bane except how to find him and that they're on their own. Just then, the comlink crackles and the batch can hear that it's Omega, but the transmission is long range, so they have to boost the signal. When Hunter asks her where she is, she tells them she doesn't know. To make matters worse, the signal is too weak to make a direct connection trace. But Tech tells her that if she can create a power surge, they may be able to zero in on that. But just as Tech instructs Omega on how to create the surge, Cad Bane appears out of the fog, exclaiming, By hook or by crook, you're coming with me. And as he slaps... Yeah. As he slaps a pair of wrist binders on her, he tears the comlink from her arm and smashes it under his boot. All the while, the batch has listened helpless to the whole encounter, unable to do anything. You see uh, Omega getting a pair of binders slapped on her. She's not too happy about that either. From the cockpit of Bane's freighter, a proximity alarm goes off, and Toto notifies him that an unidentified ship is approaching, and Bane tells him to uh, check it out. Back inside the abandoned cloning facility, Bane drags Omega down a hallway, and she struggles fruitlessly to pull free of his uh, his grip. Like a little kid, eh? Kicking and screaming, I don't want to mm-hmm. go! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he tells her, uh, 
you're lucky they want you alive. And uh, when Omega questions who, he tells her, uh, you'll find out soon enough. When the sound of a blaster bolt rings out, Omega triumphantly tells Bane, I told you you'd be sorry when my friend showed up. And making their way carefully down the hallway, they come across the lifeless body of Ton Wee. I thought we were going to get Boba right there. Uh, you know what? That sound, I'm like, does that sound like Boba's blaster? Uh, it kind of does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was ready for it. It was reminiscent of, uh, you know, when they hear the blaster shot in Jabba's palace, like, the yeah. and then the the, the Gamorrean guard rolls down the stairs. But yeah, poor Tonway, you know, she's been gone all this time. We finally get her back, and, uh, oh, she's gone again, this time for <laughs> good. All right. Omega struggles to help her, but Bane tells her there's no help she can give. And with that, the masked form of Fennec Shan strides into the hallway, blaster drawn in one hand and a credit case in the other. Now that's a pretty cool uh, dynamic now. There she is holding the money. And, uh, you know, with the dead cloner, we're at a bit of a, it's a bit of a standoff. Bane tells her, you got no business messing with my score. But she shrewdly replies, you of all people know it's all about the price. Adding, besides, she was my score first. Omega and I go way back, don't we? Cad Bane tells her she lacks the experience to be going up against him, but then is quick to point out she holds the credit case and proposes he trade the girl for the credits. Bane agrees, saying that it sounds fair, but he insists that Fennec goes first. And just then, Toto 360 arrives and snatches the case from Fennec's hand. <laughs> So my, how fast the, uh, the tide turns in this one. Thinking that uh, he now has all the cards in his hand, Bane draws his blasters and begins to open fire. Fennec dives for cover as the two exchange fire. Wanting to end the fight quickly, Bane throws a grenade down the hallway, but Fennec is able to redirect it with a uh, kick, sending it square into Toto 360. It was a pretty cool uh, cool move, too, visually. It was very striking with that, like, lunge. Like, she's sliding sort of in, kind of sliding into home base and, boop, <laughs> kicks the grenade yeah. at the same time. And then he blocks it with the Well, the this case. is it. Yeah. Poor guy, too, right? I mean, <laughs> you think, oh, I actually thought, yeah, he's done. <laughs> I thought he was, case, I, yeah. Uh, didn't even dent it. The little droid tries to take cover behind the credit case that he's currently holding. And when the explosive goes off, he's blown out the window, along with the case, which is now raining credits into the planet's atmosphere. As he's staring at the one little credit, they're kind of, uh-oh, as <laughs> they all fall out. <laughs> with the two bounty hunters locked in a pitched battle, Omega makes a run for it, but not before Cad Bane orders Toto to find the girl. Bane and Shand continue to exchange fire, with the former chasing the latter, until she ducks through a doorway into a dark corridor. Thinking that he has her cornered, he cautiously stalks toward her, sticking close to the wall. Rounding a corner, he's shocked to see that an explosive has been stuck to the wall, but it's too late to react, and the hunter is blown back against the far wall. Can't tell me that didn't hurt. Mm -hmm. I done got blowed up. He gets knocked out for a brief second he's, here. Oh, yeah. It's funny how fast people recover in this show, by the way. Oh, yeah. Omega, still uh, bound in her wrist binders, wanders into a dark hangar. The area is dimly lit by several large, translucent, fluid-filled containers. Stumbling into one, she's shocked to see the contents inside. 
It appears to be a failed cloning experiment, and there are several more beside it. This is a pretty harrowing scene as she, uh, the realization as she looks up and sees what's going on. And as I said, sort of the first one, like you say, Hank, it looked kind of like a, like a Sullustan. Yeah. Uh, and the descriptive audio described it as a man. So, I mean, that there is definitely something going on there because like there was a lot of disfigurement and she has that mm-hmm. moment of like, again, it kind of dips into like horror movie territory where she has that like, Oh, where she's really kind of caught off guard by what she's seeing. Yeah, it's kind of like yeah. that scene in uh, Alien Resurrection where Sigourney Weaver's walking through the hall of all the uh, the failed Oh, attempts. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for reminding There's me. There's a moment here, and I don't know if you have a shot of it, and I thought of it after, but her face is reflected in the tank. Yeah. And that's she's having a reflection, a, a moment, and realizing, like, this is where she comes from. There you go. This is where she comes from. This is a huge yeah. moment for Omega. It's big that, time, yeah. Like, while all this other, you know, the sentience and the friends and the adventure is all there, this is her coming to terms with her origin point. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's a very, it's a heavy, heavy moment. And it's... It's going to weigh on her for the rest of the episode. I abs- And I think lingering into the, especially what she has to say at the very end, yeah. lingering through the rest of the series, that's... That she's seeing herself in that tank. Big time. That's very important. Placing her hands on one of the glass containers, her gaze drops to the floor as she's hit with the reality of what her intended higher purpose may actually be. Turning her attention to the console on the other side of the room, Omega begins pushing buttons until she activates the facility's communications array. There we go. Good shot of the communications array. Did you get the language on that one? I, I did get the language on this one, but she's not really just pushing blind buttons. She knows what she's doing here. I figured as much. Because it it's Camino technology, right? I guess so, yeah. So it'd probably be really similar to what she's already used to. So. Yeah. That one says online. It does. I'm getting better at that. <laughs> <laughs> There's a few parts here, though. Uh, on the left-hand side, it says critical. Okay. Noting that the Perfect. facility is in critical condition. Oh, yeah, yeah. At the top of the pillar, it says this is where the satellite is located. Yeah. Below her is the escape pods. Yep. And then uh, the satellite image itself flips between online and offline. Oh, that's cool. Perfect. Perfect. Back on the uh, Havoc Marauder, Echo picks up the signal, and he locates it on the uh, galactic map. You get a portion here of the the map. Always love it when they show stuff. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of other information on this except for uh, that it's Boravio. (laughs) Echo tells the rest of the batch that he's found Omega. And she's in the Lido system. All right. And so here we go. Lido, every time they, they throw a new name at us, I'm always pouring over them to see what kind of connections we can make. And this one's kind of thin. But uh, here you go. The only uh, Star Wars reference I can find to uh, Lido was in the Rise of Skywalker during the Aki Aki Festival, the Festival of the Ancestors. The uh, festival goers are all singing a song, and it's called... Lido, hey. <laughs> but I don't think it's connected because the p- planet Pasana, where the festival is being held, it's in another planetary system. So just a fluke that it happens to be a same name there. Nice. Having not found Omega, Toto returns to Cad Bane and discovers him lying unconscious in the hallway. With a quick check to determine that he's actually still alive, Toto sets out to recover the target. I won't let you down. <laughs> it, again, the loyalty 
you know, between these uh, droids and their masters is uh, it's uncanny, especially given like we're just talking about, like how terrible he's been treated uh, over the course of, you know, the entire Clone Wars series. And even in, in this episode where it's like it's really like I think in Cad Bane's perspective, Toto really is just another tool. Like a nothing. We, we nothing could probably more. do an entire episode on sort of like the class struggle of droids. And, Absolutely. Know, it's, it's it's I can't. Although I love the property, it's 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 nothing short of slavery. And the fact that most of our heroes treat their slaves really well, yeah, and, and friends with them, they still don't have any real autonomy. Uh, and we we could get into some deep deeper stuff about that because this is really the first time you've ever seen somebody abuse a droid. Yeah. I mean, you see, they allude to Lando even doing more with a droid. And yeah, and, I mean, you know, the, the... there are heavy connotations, especially in that solo movie when when L337 is freeing the droids there. I mean, the the idea that they're a, a droid revolution, a, a surf class or a, a, a lesser class of, of being, even though they they seem to have sentience is, is yeah, not yeah, lost. Yeah. This isn't our first time seeing droid abuse, though. In Return yep. of the Jedi, Jabba is clearly oh, abusing droids yeah, left yeah. and right. Yeah, torturing. A, he has a torture droid, in fact. Tor- yeah. 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 No, EV, uh, not EV-99, it's the other guy. Torturing. Yeah. 88. Uh, yeah, torturing a, a gonk droid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like when C-3PO comes in and he's like, you know, Master got sick of the other one. So That's right. You're That's right. right. You're right. You're our replacement. Back in the hangar, uh, Fennec finds Omega at the console for the communications array. Removing her helmet, she tells the girl, uh, "She tells the girl they won't get here in time. The only person you can rely on is yourself." Turning to see the bounty hunter, Omega asks her why she killed Tan Wei. Fennec replies with a perfunctory, "It's part of the job." She continues, "You should thank me. What the prime minister has impl- has planned for you is far worse than why I'm here." And Omega asks her, "Why does he want me?" And Fennec tells her, "You already know." Looking at one of the glass containers, Omega sees a lifeless Kaminoan staring back at her. Fennec kneels down in front of Omega and softly tells her, I'm trying to help you. But Omega, not trusting her, says, You said the same thing back on Pantora. Just then, Toto360 spots the pair through an open window and dives through in an attempt to apprehend Omega, but Fennec disables him with ease. As Fennec moves to see if Toto is alone, Omega returns to the communications array and continues tapping buttons. Thinking that Omega is trying to contact the Bad Batch, Fennec tells her, I told you, it's too late for that, not realizing that Omega was actually manipulating the controls to unlock one of the cloning pods. The pod falls, and when it hits the floor, the glass breaks, spilling out all the fluid along with the Kaminoan body, knocking Fennec to the floor. And uh, yeah, that was kind of like, ugh, creepy. (laughs) And I see this strong aesthetic where that's clearly a, a Kaminoan uh, but maybe meatier, like bigger. Like I know she's a child. Yeah, there's but then like the body type that Snoke has. Right. And so I see a lot of similarities. Like they're they're moving from cloning themselves to cloning. You know, they're trying to move through these process of creating this other type of thing. And I, right. I really see strong connections to the Snoke tanks. You know, I think again, you know, knowing knowing what the end game is, knowing where it's going, like all roads point to. To Palpatine and Snoke is just mm. one more stop along the way, especially yes. seeing like those other Snoke clones on Exegol. Right. 
it's almost implicitly stated that the emperor's consciousness is inside that body. Yeah, yeah. Until he's cut in half by Kylo Ren. Yeah. To so, go the other way, though, on that, back when we were discussing their cloning and how long they've been doing it and whatnot, you sure. guys did bring up that they were probably heavily genetically modified. They absolutely are, And this yeah. kind of confirms, yeah, they were experimenting on, their on self themselves long yeah. before they started building... You yeah, know, Django there clones. May be some, yeah, they may be a race of clones themselves. Absolutely, especially when you yeah, consider yeah. now we've seen a secret, secret cloning facility. <laughs> you know, like the other one was removed from the Galactic Registry. Right. How friggin' secret is this new one? Yeah, and I mean, well, they say it's an abandoned one. Well, here's the thing: why is it abandoned? <laughs> why would you abandon a cloning facility? And if it was abandoned, like, what were the conditions that it was abandoned under? Because you've still got like. You just shut the lights off and left. You've got escape pods. You've got uh, bodies in in cloning vats. Like There's still you just, power. You just still dropped, ready to rock. You just dropped everything. What the hell happened here? Yeah, and you know you can only picture a rogue clone going, you know, a la Alien, trying to you know ch- what could chase them away. When we remember uh, Tartakovsky's Clone Wars, do you remember that one? The the tar- the tar- so. What was the name of that guy? The guy who was all like armor but tentacles underneath. Uh, oh, that eludes me. But he's been canonized in the comics. I always thought of him as being like some kind of cloning experiment. Like he's just so weird for Star Wars. Like I'm like, wow, this is like really out there. Like he's got to be some kind of like weird, genetically manipulated, modified. I can't remember his name, but anyway, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, absolutely. If it was something like that, where like maybe one of the experiments kind of like uh, woke up, got loose, <laughs> yeah, 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 kind of like Jurassic Park too, very much. So climbing out from under the dead body, Fennec chases Omega, who has now made her way outside onto an observation deck. Looking down, she sees another circular building below. It's another hangar, and this one has a bunch of flight pods. There she is, looking over the the railing. Kind of reminds me of looking down through the clouds. On uh, Scarif, mm-hmm. <laughs> you can almost picture the, uh, the the communication tower there. It looks very much like that, some similar kind of styling. But at the same time, her having read the Oribesh, she knows what's down there. Absolutely, She's double she checking does. that it's still there. Yeah, oh yeah. Rushing to find a way down uh, to the hangar, Omega comes face to face with Cad Bane, who has now recovered from the explosion. And before Omega can react, Ebola flies over her shoulder, knocking the blaster from Cad Bane's hand. It's Fennec Shand, and she rushes forward, pushing Omega out of the way before she engages with Bane in hand-to-hand combat. The two trade blows for a while until Bane headbutts her, knocking her to the ground. Omega tries to crawl away as Bane stalks toward her. Before he can get to her, Fennec dashes back in, and the fight is on again. At the other end of the corridor, Omega spots a ladder and quickly slips away as the two hunters continue to duke it out. This whole fight sequence I thought was pretty cool, and for a while there, I wouldn't say that it was blow for blow, but it was it was pretty darn close. Well, this goes a lot to establish her further. Like, yes, she took out yeah. the Bad Batch on her own, but now she's going toe-to-toe with one of the baddest ones out there. And here's the thing. We've already established that right up until, you know, Boba Fett is, like, on the scene. As you said before, Hank, uh, Cad Bane is the preeminent bounty hunter in the galaxy. I almost felt like the fight was a little too close for me. Um, yeah. <laughs> in my head, Ken, and he just wipes the floor with her. But that wouldn't be very interesting to move the plot forward. So let's just say that that grenade injured him. 
that's, <laughs> that's he, a fair that's, that's a fair why shake. She gets the best of him here. That's yeah. right. But it does lean into that whole thing about, you know, in the Mandalorian how the whole I don't miss. Cuz both I, of those I mean hand to hand she might be just so crazy like maybe she, she ruins Wrecker with with one move. Wrecker. Yeah, that's one right. One move. I was so thinking more she, along the lines maybe of Maybe that's uh, her shtick, her hand to hand. It definitely could be. I mean, right. but a you know, a, an an ancient I guess a uh, low tech weapon, uh, like a low tech. Yeah, very much Terrascasi, a low tech weapon like a bola, and she just knocked the blaster out of his hand like it was nothing. Considering right. how far back she was, she's still in the fog, so she can probably barely see him, and knocks the blaster out of his hand. That's pretty yeah. impressive. Yep. Climbing down the ladder, Omega is intercepted by Toto. The droid tries repeatedly to knock her off, missing each time. But Omega knows that she won't be able to make it all the way down with a droid harassing her. So, she leaps onto his back, and the two float all the way down to the hangar, landing with a Obi-Wan. <laughs> with it's an unceremonious of the clones, thud. Man. It is. <laughs> look at the look on her face. Like, it's that whole, like, she's, she's questioning, was this the right thing to do? Like, is this, should I have done this? <laughs> yeah, it's the inverse of the... Uh... What you do in uh, Fallen Order when you use your droid as a, as a you know, bungee. No, yeah, ride. yeah, yeah, yeah. As a zipline. <laughs> zipline, yeah. Omega looks up to see the two hunters are still fighting. Toto has landed upside down on his rectangular head and is now struggling to right himself. It's enough of an opportunity for her to make it into one of the flight pods. As she manipulates the flight pod controls, the diminutive droid has managed to get back up and is now tapping on the flight pod's <laughs> viewport thinking he has her cornered, uh-uh-uh, and not being smart enough to let go, is blasted along with the flight pod high into the atmosphere until eventually he loses his grip and falls off. But not before taking a piece of the ship with him. Right, and so that that kind of, and you can see way off in the distance there, he's just he's just fallen off. And there in the foreground, you can see the exposed uh, where he, Rip the panel off. That's right. Meanwhile, the fight between the two bounty hunters has taken a turn as Cad Bane knocks Fennec Shand unconscious. Just then, Toto radios in to tell him that the target is getting away! And uh, we see the Cad Bane gets up. He sl- furiously slams his fists on the railing and then uh, orders Toto, Get to the ship! Having quickly recovered, Fennec is back on her feet. She can't get the drop on Cad Bane as he turns to blast her with dual flamethrowers. Oh, pulling out all the stops. What I like about those is, uh, did he use those in the Clone Wars at all? The flamethrowers? I don't recall him. I don't recall him doing that either. But when he does that, and I'm looking at the thing, and I'm like, is that a Mandalorian, like, gauntlet? Could be. Do you know what I mean? It's got all of, like, the, it's it's certainly got the appearance with the, the chunky square boxy buttons Doesn't have the lines back to a, like a tank or something oh, I, don't I never know. even really thought about it i think there's a line in there somewhere but I, where it goes i don't know did we get the bolos out of order here because doesn't nope. she she throws another one later on yeah oh, that's that's okay. coming up here I understand. she throws a second one yeah so but fennec is wily and she dodges the fire falling back down a dark hallway she's able to uh, hit bane with another bola which she right. follows up with a kick to the chest, knocking him over the railing and into the ether. And there he goes. Whoa! And of course, his hands are bound to his side, but uh, he's able to recover by activating his boot jets. 
But by the time that he makes it back to the observation deck, Fennec Shand is long gone. Back on board the flight pod, an alarm sounds as Omega struggles with the controls. The vessel's trajectory has now taken a steep turn, and she is now headed towards the surface of the planet. So do and, we think uh, that that's some damage that he did to the pod when he pulled the panel off? Because maybe well, that was just a heat shield. But I'm also thinking that these pods are just designed to get them away from the facility, like spit them out in, uh, into the ocean so that yeah, they can yeah. get away from some eminent danger. Like just like with the floating rafts, like, with the floating the city. Ocean. Like I just kind of got into that whole like, oh, it's like Cloud City, so it's got to be a gaseous planet. What's right. at the What's at the core? Is it Is it liquid? Is, is it solid? Or? Like you just don't know. <laughs> but yeah. to clear up your question, Hank, the Orabesh in this scene, it says warning. Port side fuel manifold damaged. Perfect. So what he ripped off did do enough damage that it's going to cause her to lose flight. Perfect. I wondered if the you know if they were perfectly functional if there was enough oomph to get her into like orbit or, orbit orbit yeah perhaps perhaps. So there's this moment of like panic and then resolve to her fate. Omega braces for impact as she leans back in the seat and draws her knees up to her chest crash positions but instead of an impact the pod is abruptly halted mid-flight and omega is knocked out of her seat onto the floor picking herself up she stares up at the hatch kind of confused and when the hatch opens we see that there's a long corridor with a hatch ring at the other side and when the hatch ring iris is open an enthusiastic wrecker peers in and like omega is that you it would seem that the Havoc Marauder is equipped with a tractor beam that has prevented the pod from crashing. The big man plucks her from the flight pod, and the clones are now reunited. Openly weeping, Omega presses her head into Hunter's chest and sobbingly says, Why does this keep happening? Why are the Kaminoans after me? Of all of the traumatic stuff that's happened to her, this is the first time we've seen her cry. Mm -hmm. What a tough kid. And I mean that in the most genuine sense. Oh, yeah, no, heavy, yeah. And he winces <clears throat> when she goes to hug him. I know. Just reinforcing yeah, that, that injury's still there. Yes. Is it the physical thing that he's wincing on, or is it he's reacting to her her emotional pain? I don't know. I've had little a hurt a, rib. And I think so. Yeah. I've had a hurt rib, and a kid comes in for a hug. They don't no. know what they're doing, and <laughs> you just kind of roll with it. I guess so. That's true, yeah. Echo uh, beckons Hunter to tell her the truth, and he begins to lay it all out for her, revealing that she's different and in a way that makes her more important than any other clone, including the Bad Batch. Not willing to give up his quarry, Cad Bane storms onto the bridge of his ship, ordering Toto to get them in the air. A nice little image of them on the, uh, on the bridge as they're fumbling with controls. But it appears that uh, Fennec Shan has left them with a parting gift as uh, none of the ship's systems are responding. As Fennec Shan enters orbit in her own ship, she receives a hollow transmission from Nala Say. She asks the bounty hunter for an update, and Fennec tells her that Omega was rescued by the same clones that she encountered back on Pantora, adding that she could track them for a price. And Nala Say declines, stating that as long as she's not in the hands of the Prime Minister, she's safe. Fennec tells her that if she changes her mind, she knows how to contact her. Meanwhile, holed up in deep space, the Batch take a long-needed break. Hunter sits at the controls while the rest of the team sleeps. Omega quietly climbs down from her bunk and goes to sit with Hunter in the cockpit. She's haunted by the vision of the failed experiments in the abandoned cloning facility and worries that the Kaminoans won't stop at sending bounty hunters after her. She really has that, like, 
like you said, back in the cloning facility, that realization of like the what's going to happen to her, what could happen to her. And now the it's kind of sunk in like, this is my life. They're not going to stop coming. And uh, Hunter tells her that, uh, you know, they can send every bounty hunter in the galaxy, but it won't matter because she has them. But dejectedly, Omega replies, you can't fight them all. While kneeling down to face her, Hunter uh, tells her, you don't have to worry. You're never going back to Kamino. Yeah. So, I mean, he gets right down on her level. That whole, like, wants to reassure her, spins the chair around, says, you're never going back. Omega looks up to meet his gaze, and she says, promise? And a very resolved Hunter replies, I promise. And with that, we fade to black, and the episode ends. It's another dad moment. You ever watch uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Yes. Right on the end, it should have a big thing that says, The Batch goes back to Camino. (laughs) 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 I promise. Uh, We're we're headed back to Camino, and that's almost like the craziest foreshadowing. Uh, Yeah, you're never going to like. There's going to be safety with Lama Sue. Uh, they're going to have to maybe even rescue her. You mean uh, Nalase? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Nalase. Yeah, they're, they they may even have to bring her into the fold. But certainly, there's definitely going to be more bounty hunters. With she's in trouble. <laughs> like you know, the the prime minister is not going to let this one slide. No, no, uh, not at all. And so the, the I think that you'll see more bounty hunters, and I think you'll see, I think you'll see the big one, the bounty hunter. Next episode. Yeah, I yeah. agree with you on that. I just, I can't see it going any other way. Like it's, to me, it's just only a matter of time. If we go back to that whole, uh, head plate thing and we just presume that, 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 that animatic, that previs that we all saw, if that actually happened, then there is a, there's some bad blood between those two. And if Cad Bane's still alive, it's probably unresolved. And isn't this just the icing on the cake to motivate Boba to, to end it with some finality? No, absolutely. And, uh, you know, they're really good at hiding these characters from us in the in the stuff we've already seen. But yeah. There's no reason to believe that years later, Omega isn't some sort of integral part of something going on in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, to take another spin on that. Yeah. Um, because it was never like a finalized out there canon episode. What if that scene develops into something more of a standoff between Cad Bane and Boba Fett because Cad Bane wants the sister? That could be as well. And since it's a family issue for Boba, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bosk and everybody kind of back, like stand back and say, "No, no, you two handle this." Right. You know, and I mean, it's a less likely explanation, but, uh, but I mean, we could get that scene. Cad Bane has always worn that like under sock under his hat. You know, is there just a, you know, a slim chance that the adornment is just that? It's an adornment. It's a, it's a decorative thing. Probably not. No. You know, I take it for what it is. It probably is a plate, but who knows? Maybe we will get a, you know, the uh, a retooling of that scene. Yeah. 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 Brie tie looking mofo. Yeah. Very <laughs> much. Eh? <laughs> well, guys, that's it. It's a, uh, it's bounty lost. It's episode number nine of the uh, the Bad Batch, and uh, as always, so we were here to uh, to cover it all and to talk about it. And I think, uh, man, I am so full of like 
you know, bounty hunter goodness. I don't know what else to pack in there. <laughs> oh, it's crazy. Do yourself a favor. Even online, check out the War of the Bounty Hunters going on at Marvel Comics. It is outstanding stuff. Outstanding stuff. Yeah, and make sure you go back into Clone Wars and catch up on the uh, the Bounty Hunter episodes. Uh, very much most of Season 2 is almost all Bounty Hunter-centric. And then you can, there's a couple, one or two in uh, season three, but then season four kind of wraps up everything with Cad Bane and, and uh, that whole kidnapping attempt on uh, the Supreme Chancellor. So uh, if you're looking for connective tissue to, to connect you to with where we're at in the Bad Batch, that's where you're going to find it uh, streaming now on Disney+. Plus. Anything else, any more for any more, guys? Completely off topic, but speaking of uh, connective tissue and hiding characters inside, yeah, yeah. did you see the thing that came up this week? I'm not sure which Facebook group it was, but it showed what could be an old Echo in the cantina. Back in, uh, like, A New Hope? I believe so. I did not catch that. An old, there's an image, and it's got a side-by-side with the three little uh, dots on Echo's head. Yeah. And it's almost the perfect match for this character that has been sitting in the cantina. There's so many, uh, you know, oh, alien it. goodness in the cantina shot that, like, you could still, you could be unpacking that for... That could, be, that could be an episode mm-hmm. or a few covering mm-hmm. covering who's who in the zoo in that place. Yeah. Now i got to go and look for that. All right. Well, maybe there's more on that to come that we don't know about. But uh, you can bet if something does come about that, we'll cover it. But uh, all right, guys. Uh, if there's no more, I guess that's it for me. And uh, we'll catch everybody next week. Same batch time, same batch channel as we uh, review episode 10 of the Bad Batch. Until then, everybody, my name is Wes uh, for Fandom Power with Andy and Hank. We love you all. Like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. Smash the button. Bye for now, everybody. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Fandom Power. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be talking about another one of your favorite fandoms. Fandom Power is a Sawcast production. Have you ever wanted to start a podcast, but you didn't know where to begin? Maybe you'd like to try podcasting without having to invest in any recording equipment. Do you have an idea for a show, but you're not sure how to develop it? Let Sawcast Productions take care of all of that, so you can focus on what it is you want to say. 
SOTCAST Productions offers podcasting solutions ranging from recording and basic editing to fully produced episodes complete with all the audio embellishments of a broadcast quality show. When your show is ready, SOTCAST Productions can distribute it too. Contact us online today. So, what do you want to say? <laughs>